For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. And it's a lot more lose lately, isn't it? So, it's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, as you say, Dan, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, we're struggling to try and find things to be optimistic about lately, haven't we? So, you know, good win in midweek, but then back down, crashing back down to earth this weekend. So hopefully our normal therapy session can get us through and make us feel a little bit better for the rest of the week. Absolutely. James, you're back in the frame once again. How have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, copy and paste answer from last <laughs> week. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, off the pitch, everything's as well as it can be. Uh, and then on the pitch, we're struggling a little bit. But luckily, I think we all saw this one coming this week, didn't we? So uh, so a little bit of a, the blow was softened a little bit. But as Carl says, hopefully we can get a little, little bit off our chest this week. And last but certainly not least is the return of someone who will hopefully be bringing that energy. It's Patrick. Patrick, it's been a while, but how have you been, my friend? Uh, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. I'm still trying to bring that energy, but I'm feeling a bit flat at the moment, <laughs> obvious, for obvious reasons. So, yeah, I'm good, but I've, I've been better, that's all I can say. I mean, if you're feeling flat, Patrick, we're all in trouble. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we're all doomed. <laughs> but, um, right, let's uh, crack on with the social media bits first, so we can dissect the last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming Spurs app, where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. And we're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let us know. We'll get it on there for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business sees us dealing with another mixed bag in terms of results. And Cole, although European progress offers some light, there's only more domestic darkness come the end of the week. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And, you know, unfortunately, when you look at the European success, you're kind of judging it against the sort of calibre of teams that you're playing at the moment, aren't you? Thinking, well, you know, there's probably Sunday sides that would probably be able to give half of these teams a decent game as well. So, although, you you know, you can only beat what's in front of you and it's a good win, you're still kind of caveating that with the fact that, well, these are, you know, essentially almost part-timers we're playing and you would expect the to the results the worry then comes about if we suddenly draw someone half decent in the next round you suddenly then start fearing how far you potentially could go in the competition given the way we're playing and as James said earlier you know I think we all saw um, the result coming that, that happened this weekend you know I just didn't feel confident going into it um, again it's that kind of when a big game comes around and Spurs need to kind of put a marker down or, or get something out of a game um, they, they they more than often are not foul to let us down, don't they? And end up on the wrong side of the result. Um, and although, you know, all right, take some comfort, the second half performance wasn't that bad at the weekend. You know, there were some signs in that second half performance that make you go, well, OK, some encouraging signs there. But again, it's the result that matters. And we're on the wrong end of another defeat. And you're slipping further and further down that table as each week goes past, aren't we? And, and the, you know, the possibility of top four is slipping away. 
as every game comes at the moment, and that's a real worry for us. Well, we'll look at Sunday in a bit. Let's sort of discuss the wider issues around our current dip in form. So, James, that's now five defeats in the last six league matches. Relegation form by anyone's imagination, really. However, it's not going to come to that this season. You know, there's not going to be an ultimate collapse, which sees us finish 18th. However, there's a third of the season remaining. And although you think there's a lot of football and things could get better, there's always that sense of, well, how low can we actually go? Yeah, and, and the, the problem is not that we've, we've lost five out of six. It's that we don't seem to be learning and we don't seem to be improving at all. And, and nothing looks like it's going to change anytime soon. Um, certainly defensively, you know, that's, that's where our problems have been for the majority of the season. That's where our, our problems are right now. Uh, and unless, barring some kind of miracle, you can't see those defensive issues improving in the near future. Um, you know, we can put it down to defensive error, individual errors. Um, but really, the the problem is that we're just not defending as a unit. And I think whether you're a defender or not in this team, you, you don't go into a game in the confidence that we're not going to concede a goal. Um, I think everyone knew that, that West Ham were going to score at least once against us this weekend. Whereas in, in the past, we should be going into games thinking, you know, this is a team that we could potentially keep a clean sheet against. And also, you know, we can we can put them to bed. We can put a, put a few past them and, and the game can be dead, you know, be, before, before half-time even. But, it, it just isn't that just isn't the case we, we we're kind of going into the game thinking right well we're going to concede at some point uh and and no one seems very confident that we're going to keep a clean sheet so i think that the issues clearly lie in the defense and and, and that that just breeds a complete lack of confidence throughout the whole team because i know at some point we're going to have to either come from behind or, or we're going to be drawing and and it's 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 making things a lot a lot more difficult, and uh, and and things are a little bit a little bit downbeat at Tottenham at the moment. So, Patrick, if we look at the roller coaster, which is this season, I mean, it's not even really undulating. It's gone from a very high point, being the top one, to the top four, to the top six, to the top half. Now we're getting to the point where cups, notwithstanding, there's a genuine threat we might not even be in Europe next season. If that's the case, how tight is the noose around the manager's neck? Uh, I think. If- if it wasn't Jose Mourinho, as in if he wasn't a name brand manager, yep. he'd be gone already. Really? I think with four, yeah, four four defeats out of our last five, there's no confidence in that team. There's, I mean, there's just no, I don't know, man. Where do we start? There's no setup. There's no plan. One minute we've got the handbrake on, the next minute we're going gung ho. But um, like we just said earlier, there's no defensive pattern. There's no pattern of play defensively as a unit we're not defending well because even though our defenders aren't great there's so many teams around the league who don't have as good as you know defensive players or a keeper as we do but yet we're conceding more goals than everyone at the moment and it's just that we're not defending as a unit Hugo Lloris isn't talking to Dyer. Dyer's not communicating with Hugo Lloris Sanchez is doing the same thing Sanchez always does and it's just yeah we're just going into games scared weary we don't know what we're doing I don't know I don't know where to start but to be fair, yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that we're already in a cup final and if it wasn't for the fact that Jose Mourinho is Jose Mourinho, he'd be gone already. AVB got sacked for less and other managers have got sacked for less. So, Carl, are we at the point where it's all in on the Europa League now? Be down with the league and play the ultimate risk in terms of strategy for the end of the season. With that said, is, if that happens, that's a huge, huge gamble and you really, you're chucking the last third of the season. I remember Jürgen Klopp did that 
when he took over at Liverpool in that sort of second half of the season, they got to the Europa League final and he was trying like every player, wasn't he, just to sort of get to the end of the season and then put all his eggs in that and it failed. So that's how it can go wrong. There is a chance it could go right, but can Spurs get it right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're playing that way. Um, I'd imagine Jose wants to win every game that he puts a team out there for. Um, and given the way the season's gone, you know, before this weekend and not being funny, even after this weekend, you still wouldn't write or, you know, technically, mathematically, you couldn't write top four off because some people would say you've only got to go on a run of two, three, four wins and next thing you know, you're right back up there. Um, I guess the difference is I don't think we've got the quality to go on that sort of run at the moment. Um but as you say, I, I don't think you can risk putting all your eggs in, say, the Europa League basket um, because, as I said earlier, I think, you know, the worry for us at the moment is when we come up against what I'd consider probably even a half-decent European side right now, you'd really worry and think, cool, could we get through this? Because of the way we're defending, I think most teams out there will cause us problems. Um, and obviously in Europe, you know, you've only got to have a team come to your ground, score two, and then you're in big trouble, aren't you, on the away goals rule and stuff like that coming into play. Um, then obviously at the moment, you've, you know, we've got all the coronavirus stuff where you might have to go to a different, completely different ground to play a game. So I think it's a risky business to try and think, oh, well, that's just now focus the rest of the season on the Europa League because I just don't think we're actually good enough to do that. Um, I just think, I, I just don't think they actually know what's going on and I don't think Jose can put his finger on, on what the problem is there. Um, I do think part of the problem is he's just got to kind of settle himself on a back four now and just stick with it till the end of the season. You know, you've got a goalkeeper that's not in great form, but if you look around, you've got no one you can replace him with because the guy that you could bring in to replace him with is probably just as prone to making some errors as, as we've seen already in Europa League games. So you haven't even got the confidence of being able to say, well, listen, we might take you out the firing line for a week or two, you know, let yourself get some confidence back or that. You've just got to play the guy. Um, you've got defended. There, there's just no confidence there, is there, defensively. Um so, yeah, I think if there, if there was a strategy where they're thinking that's just put all our eggs now in the Europa League basket, I think that will come back and, and bite them um, later on in the season. Because I really do fear that the minute we draw a half-decent team in that competition, um, I wouldn't go into that game or that tyre feeling confident we could get the job done. So, James, we've asked this before, but we're a couple more defeats down the line. So, what's the end game in all of this? When you consider that Levy hired a manager in Mourinho to win the league, and now when you take his league position last season where it ended, he's gone backwards. Now that could change, of course, it could get better, could get worse, but ultimately how expensive does this experiment end up being in terms of potential compensation? I think, yeah, in so it, that's one of the things is the compensation. I think there's, there's a lot of reasons why this, this deal might end up being quite expensive. Um, look at the revenue that we're going to lose if we're not playing European football. That's you know that's that's a massive massive amount. Plus then we we don't we're not able to draw the 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 players to the club, and so you know the the downward spiral has to start somewhere, and and this could be where it starts. You know if you don't get Europe, you don't get the players, and therefore you don't get Europe. Um, so it, if we end up paying off Mourinho to to get rid of him, 
then don't get in Europe. It's just money down the drain. And, 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 you know, I know people will say, well, why are you still talking about Pochettino? But if you look at how much money this is going to, this could end up costing uh, Levy, then you think, well, why not just, we could have given that money to Pochettino to, to rebuild the team in the way that he wanted to. I know, you know, I know I'm going to hear the same old look. We need to let go of Pochettino. It's been and gone. But you, you can't help but think, what, what if, if we'd gone down a different route, then you know we could have actually saved the club money. We could have kept the manager that we all loved. We we could have re, you know we could have rebuilt the, the team, which is what he wanted to do all along. Instead, we've got in a manager who's who's on massive, massive money to to go into press conferences and say things like, "I can't fix this," and you know. The, the things that he says in the press conferences make you absolutely baffle you. I saw a news report this week about Daniel Levy feeling sorry for Jose Mourinho. I really don't think that's the case. You know, does any employer who's, who's paying someone fifteen million pound a season feel sorry for the man who's failing to get them results? I, I don't think so. So it's clear that we need to invest in in new players. We need new defenders, a hundred percent. Uh, if potentially we might need a new manager plus paying off a new paying off the old manager and potentially we could be could be out of Europe so this is that is a, an expensive gamble if you ask me which is which is one of the reasons I don't think Mourinho will get the sack in, until much further down the line um, because simply because it's going to be too expensive um, but potentially this this could be you know a really really hefty uh, hit in the wallet for for Daniel Levy, uh, and and the only person that he has to blame is himself because he because he took this risk, and and it and well so far it hasn't paid off. So Patrick James just alluded to the comments which Mourinho made in terms of crisis. What do you think of those comments? Where's the line of fire actually being shot? There is the message different to what he's actually saying. Yeah, I think. It, it baffles me. It, it really does. And it drives me crazy because um, when Jose Mourinho was on Sky Sports or was it BNTV, I think before uh, a couple of months before he took the Spurs squad, he said that the Spurs squad was one of the best squads there. And apart from, he said, Man City, Man City's B team, Spurs and Liverpool, those were the four contenders for, you know, challenging for the league. So he, he, he came out but when he first got appointed, he said that this Tottenham squad was, uh, you know, better than the Man United squad that he inherited. And obviously he made, he took them to a second place finish and also they won the Europa and the League Cup. So it just, I just don't get it. I think Jose Mourinho has to take a lot of the blame because he keeps, as we alluded to earlier, he keeps playing the wrong centre-backs for me. The pairing's not good. He's made dodgy decisions and, and just the personnel he's picking, like, uh, Gareth Bell's been playing out of his skin the last couple of games. Deli Ali looked good. But then, um, uh, on Sunday, both players were on the bench. Uh, both came in to try and rescue the game when it was already out of reach. And it's just it's just weird decisions. But if you're going back to uh, Jose and where the blame lies, I think it definitely lies on him more than anything else because he's the one that sets up the team. Uh, and obviously the players have to abide by what he's saying and, and what he tells them to do, otherwise they won't play. And we're seeing you know, certain games we've seen us play with the shackles off. Other times we've seen us play with the shackles on. And now and again, it just looks like there isn't a pattern of play or there isn't a actual, there's not a game plan. So, Carl, in terms of a message, you wish there was one defensively because at the moment, you know, you look at the first five minutes against West Ham, there's no authority again between the combination of Dyer and Larice. Just needs a body, needs anything, a shout or something. Why is that not happening again? I think that's just 
comes from the fact that, like, as we say, I don't think there is a commanding presence in the back line, is there? When, especially not when Toby goes. I mean, I think we really have to look at Jose for his team selection ahead of this game because, you know, going into Thursday's game, um, Toby really shouldn't have played in that fixture, given that you had this fixture coming up at the weekend. You know, that was the fixture where you could have likely have put Dyer in there, knowing that, again, the quality of opposition we're playing. Okay, this guy, these guys should be able to see the job through against them. We've got a big league game on the weekend, so I need my best centre-half in that game. Now... No one stood out this season at all from the back line, but Toby is the one that you go, well, he's probably your most commanding presence in the back line. So he's the player I need to be picked and play on Sunday. But he plays him in the Europa League game, meaning he probably can't play at the weekend. Um, and then you've got to change it. And unfortunately, there is no commanding centre-half, you know. Dyer just, you know, the, the experiment of Dyer moving to centre-back just needs to be scrapped now. It hasn't worked. The guy isn't a centre-half. He isn't a commanding presence. He often gets done in the air and misjudges the flight of balls. He's not a centre-half. So get rid of that. There, there's one option gone. Now you need to start saying, right, who am I left with now to pick? Um, but he keeps playing him there. Davidson Sanchez, we all know. The guy's just an accident waiting to happen. Um, so when I saw that lineup at the weekend and you saw Sanchez and Dyer and you know that Antonio's then playing, I'm just thinking, well, that that's it. You know, we're in big trouble at the back there. Um, and it proved to be straight away. Lloris isn't a commanding goalkeeper of his penalty area, you know, especially the six-yard box. You know, they do say most goalkeepers should be in command of the six-yard box. Well, Lloris gets lead boots when a ball starts coming into the box and he just wants to stay on that line, you know, the safety of his line, not move. Um, and then it's an easy excuse to look at the centre-halves and go, oh, you know, where it's like, well, maybe you need to start coming and commanding, you know, and anything inside the six-yard box you take, you know, and if you've got to take a defender out with you, well, so be it, you take a defender with you. Um, but that's just a problem, isn't it? And it, it's one that we're not going to change now from now till the end of the season um, because, you know, we just look a mess when when teams attack and when a ball's slung into the penalty area. You know, we are just a complete, you can see there's chaos and panic in there. Um, and, and again, it proved to be on the weekend, you know, no commanding centre-half who's leading the line, goalkeeper who's not commanding, Fullbacks who are not really particularly in confidence. And unfortunately, you know, when you've got a back four like that, you just can't win games, especially in the Premier League, because the quality is there that it will always punish you. So, James, in the build-up to West Ham's opening goal, there was an element of contention as uh, our left-back hit the deck. Obviously, there was nothing to stop the goal from counting, but do you think there was much in that, should the goal have not counted? No, not really. I, I don't think there's a lot in it. I no. think, you know, we're, we're living in a day and age where we're kind of looking for uh, every reason to disallow a goal. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to take off your Spurs tinted glasses and, and say, look, that there's no reason for that goal to be disallowed. Um, the same as the second goal, you know, it, it wasn't offside at all. And, and straight away, you say, well, that's that's a perfectly fine goal. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, I think Suchak's just, just got to the ball before Reguillon. He's, he's not going to He's not going to stop himself. He's, he's carried on through him. Uh, and to be fair, you know, from then on, it's a comedy of errors, isn't it? And I, I've, I've been a massive supporter of Eric Dyer. Um, I think he, 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 he gets a lot of a lot of stick unnecessarily. But 
there comes to a point where you, you can't, well, <laughs> much like him, can't defend him anymore. Um, you know, the amount of times that we're, we're seeing the ball just just go over his head, as in, you know, he, he's jumped for it and, it and it's just, you know, nicked the top of his head or it's gone gone over the top of him by millimetres. It cannot be a coincidence anymore because there's so many there's so many centre-halves in the Premier League who, who don't let that happen to them. And, and it's happened so, so many times to Eric Dyer now that it, it, it has to come down to positioning or awareness of what's going on behind you. So that's that's where the, I, I thought the main fault li- lies for that goal. Um, you know, there's there's no way that it's ever going to be ruled out because it's it's not a foul. And if and if that was given against us, then we'd be absolutely outraged. Um, so clutching at straws, I think, Dan. Yeah, I think you're right on that aspect, to be honest. But uh, Patrick, I want to get your take on the midfield too, because it looks like Huyberg and Undumbele, something that a lot of people are crying out for, it's not quite working. It's almost the balance has been tipped the wrong way. And these two aren't necessarily bringing out the best of each other in their current positions. Yeah, I feel that. I, I mean, they're two quality players. Obviously, they offer, you know, completely. They're chalk and cheese in, in terms of what they offer and what they provide the team. But I just feel that Hoiberg uh, at the moment is running on fumes. He's running yeah. on empty. He's been, he's been literally, he's played every single game. And even in Europa games where we've, you know, he's not started. We've had to bring him on to solidify the game or when we're looking patchy and Winks and Suzoko are looking sketchy. So he's playing 15, 20 minutes. So he's never getting a rest. And I think right now he needs, you know, a game or two out so he can recharge his batteries and then he can go again because he's looked really leggy and, and tired. Against Everton, he was quite poor. Uh, yesterday, he was quite poor. And I think there was a game before that as well where he didn't look great. But I do think he is a quality player. It's just that, He's tired, you know, he's running on empty. So that's really why we're suffering. And Dombele hasn't been great as well over the last couple of games. But again, he is playing a lot of minutes as well. It's just that, you know, we all thought going into the season that we had a quality squad. But now we're really seeing that we really don't. When, you know, when certain starters aren't in the team or or, or aren't starting, you see how poor we are. The the level drops drastically. So um, that's really something that needs to be addressed. So, Cole, as we just said, Hjoy Bergen and Dembele not bring the best out of each other, which is the exact same for Dyer and Sanchez. If anything, they're making each other worse. The second goal, I guess, are Michael Cosmo of that because they seem to be sucking the talent out of each other at the moment. Yeah, again, it's just a whole mix-up of everything, isn't it? You know, I think this, the second goal is just a case of, you know, again, like we're saying, no one really takes charge, do they? You know, and obviously Lingard gets a lucky bounce, doesn't he? You know, that puts it right in his path between the pair of them. Um, my my biggest issue about both their goals at the weekend, and especially the second one, was, you know, you can see the goal within a few minutes of the first half. You come out the second half and again, instantly, within a few minutes of that half, you you, you, know, you can see the second. And you just start to question whether, you know, it doesn't seem like we come out and start, you know, get ourselves out of the blocks in, in full concentration mode. You know, everything's just sloppy. Um, and the second goal is just another example where things just not going right at the back um, between everyone and Lingard gets in and, you know, fair play. He took it really well on his weaker foot. But, yeah, you do look at it and just think, you know, um, Doherty loses the ball um, in the build-up to that goal where he probably shouldn't have lost the ball. Uh, and it's just all those catalogue of errors just keep coming back and punishing us at the moment. Um 
But again, as I said, I don't see it changing. And Jose is going to have to find a way to try and do something on the training ground that kind of resolves these issues and coach some of this stuff out of the players because it's all well and good throwing your hands up and saying, well, what can I do? Well, you know, get on the training ground. You know, you've got to do something or try something. You know, it might just have to be that you have to change personnel, you know. I've already said my starting preference now for the rest of the season would be Toby and Tanganga as a centre-half pairing um, and let Tanganga learn from Toby. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, you've got Regulon on the left and then it's a bun fight between Aurier and Doherty to see who's in the best form. And, and unfortunately, whoever it is who does seem to be in the best form, you stick with them until the end of the season. And that's a back four that you go, listen, you lot are together now and get yourself sorted, you know, work this out between yourselves and have a run of games where you, you know who's playing where and what your strengths and weaknesses are. So, James, Cole's just mentioned about conceding early in each half. Now, is that something that says the players aren't taking the message on board? Because, yes, the manager will get most of the pelters, but ultimately he's not playing the match himself. So you give that spill in the dressing room before the game and up at half-time... And within five minutes of each half, you're conceding goals. So where's the disconnect there? Yeah, I think it's obviously just concentration levels, and I, I you know, I, I don't think it's it's necessarily down down to the manager. I don't think they're they're coming out of the dressing room half asleep because he's given such a boring team talk. Um, I think it's just the, the our concentration levels at the start of either half. Like we clearly just take a little bit too long to get into the game, uh, and and concentration levels are a massive part of. Why we haven't been so successful in the in the so call it the second second half of the first half of this season, because at the start you know think back to those games against against Man City the two 0 game we we defended for pretty much the whole ninety minutes and and we concentrated the whole time and and it worked out, but every other game where we've tried to to kind of shut up shop like that we we've we've let our concentration slip at some point and that's allowed allowed the team to score whether it be an equaliser or the winner. Um, so that that's clearly a massive problem in our team, and and I I, I messaged you guys uh, during the game the other day, and and what what screams to me is just that we don't seem to have smart, intelligent footballers, and and that worries me. You know, Carl said it on the, on the pod a couple of weeks ago, where we have so many footballers who just run headfirst into a challenge that they don't need to make, and we can see the set piece from it. We we don't. We, I just don't think we have footballers who are who are intelligent, who who think on the ball. Obviously, we've we've got players who are a million a million miles ahead in players such as Ndombele and and Harry Kane. They're two players that see the game five ten steps ahead of, of of other players. But then we've got we've got players at the complete opposite end of that spectrum who don't seem to see that what they're, the, the the repercussions of what they're doing. You've got players like Doherty who's who's Flying into tackles, Lamella doesn't seem to think about what what he's doing before he does it. Dyer, who I again I, I used to be a massive fan of him, but he he just seems to be playing without without thought at the moment. And Sanchez, especially, who I think he's he's like a headless chicken when he's on that pitch. Um, Lucas Moura running down blind avenues. There's there's so many players who I you know I I just miss us having footballers who players like Ericsson and and to an extent Daliali when he was playing. Inform players who who think you know think before they do players like Musa Dembele, players who who seem to be in control of of the game and, and in control of their own actions and and understanding what you know 
the repercussions of what they're doing on the pitch. And I think we've got so many players who are reactionary and uh, and and just don't think about what they're doing. So that that naturally means that when the concentration levels are low at the start of the game, at the start of the second half, then we're completely vulnerable because we're you know we're we're not we're not awake. And and that's where we concede our goals. And then it's hard because it's almost like you've got to start again from there. You know, after that after that Jesse Lingard, the second goal, it was it must have been so difficult to 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 get going again because within two minutes of you of you having having that rest, you're you're you've already doubled the the mountain that you've got to climb. So you know, it's it's something that clearly has to change. We we can't concede so early on in the game and early on in the second half. Uh, and those concentration levels have to have to maintain because otherwise we're going to let play, let players in, and if we give players chances, then they're going to score goals. Now, Patrick Jesse Lingard made us look rather silly yesterday. Now, across the summer, a lot of people actually, I think we all turned up our noses and went, "Oh no, I don't want Jesse Lingard when he was supposedly linked with Tottenham." Now, hindsight is wonderful, and we can all sort of look at transfers and say how great they are once they've happened and it's a success. But is there an element of ignorance? attached to the players that are wanted by our Spurs fans, that we're not prepared for the sort of unfashionable name who might do a job after being a, a busted flush elsewhere. I don't really know the point I'm trying to make, but is there sometimes, yeah, is it, are we ignorant about the, the kind of links that come to Tottenham? No, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we all saw the links, didn't we? Like, you know, Jose Mourinho is interested in bringing Jesse Lingard. And I myself was all over Twitter saying, no chance, <laughs> no way. You know, we don't want him. He's a bomb, etc. So, you know, to be fair, Jesse Lingard has hit the ground running and he looks rejuvenated. He looks like a player, I can't lie. But no, I didn't want him at Tottenham and I still stand by that. The quality of our squad, Jesse Lingard shouldn't be getting in there. Um, but, you know, he, he did look good and he has looked good. But no, with Delhi, I mean, dare I say it, even uh, Lamella, Lucas Moura, all these guys, Stevie Bergwin, they should all be above Jesse Lingard so we didn't we didn't need him uh, and I, yeah I still think that as a Spurs fans we do have a right to to, to demand quality uh, Jesse Lingard isn't somebody that you would look at coming into the Tottenham squad and making it better considering that we're meant to be competing with the big boys and you know and, and taking a step forward we wouldn't really associate that with a Jesse Lingard type signing would we so I do think we were right to turn our noses up at it Sometimes players can step in and, and get better. And it looks like Jesse Lingard has done that. He's got he, The thing with Jesse Lingard is that he's playing with a point to prove. He's really showing you know everyone why he should have been playing for Man United and that he's not finished. And I wish that, dare I say it, Deli Ali had a bit of that same hunger and, and desire. Because we all know, uh, in terms of talent, uh, Deli kills Jesse all day long. But Jesse is out there putting the shift in and doing what he needs to do to be seen. And some of our players are already coasting like they've made it and they still have a point to prove. So, yeah, it's, it is one of them ones where you can't, you don't know what's going to happen till it happens. But even signing Gareth Bale, there's no way Jesse Lingard, we, you know, we would have been happy with that when we bought someone like Bale in, who at the moment hasn't lived up to expectations. But he is looking a lot better in recent games. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think ultimately that means it's a damning indictment of the players that would be playing in and around Lingard's role. Also, what is usually a damning indictment, Carl, is coming off at half-time. Dad to Tanganga, is that more tactical or poor performance? What did you make of his offering yesterday? 
Yeah, I, I didn't think, you know, to be honest, I didn't think he was he was bad enough where you'd sit there and go, oh, I'd definitely be hauling him off at halftime. I think Jose probably just wanted to try and change it up, didn't he, in the second half? And, and unfortunately, Tanganga was the one that got that got hooked. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he, he was, you know, to be honest, he, I, did, I felt he did OK. Um, again, I, I don't. I feel for the guy because, you know, he's not a right back. No. And this is one of the problems I feel for Tanganga. You know, every time he seems to get a game, he's shoved in at right back um, to try and fill an emergency void um, where we all know the guy is the guy is a centre half and probably wants to play as a centre half, but obviously knows he's not going to turn his nose up at getting a game um, in the Premier League at right back. But again, this is one of them situations, isn't it? You know, Tanganga obviously has to be careful a bit like Dyer in his early days where it's like you need to nail down that position that you want to play early don't want to become seen as someone who can be a bit of a utility man and I just think Gio I I don't like the idea whenever I see him playing and he's put on the right side I just don't like it because like I say right now I really want to see him given a run as a centre half because given the options we got I think he's going to be a good player and we should just start getting him in there now and getting him used to that position and, and playing there and feeling comfortable and sticking him at right back. I think it, you know, I, I do think it, you know, it is not playing to his strengths and giving him a chance to impress like he could do. And unfortunately, if he plays at right back even more throughout the season, then if Jose needs to change it up, that will be one of the positions where he will then bring um, Doherty or Aurier on if he wants to be a little bit more attacking. And that does look negative on Tanganga because people think, well, you was up to half time. That's not a good sign. But I don't believe that's the case. I believe it's just tactical. But I feel for him. Um and as I say, I definitely want to see him given a run now in that centre-half position because we're screaming out for a commanding presence. And for all we know, he could be that player. Well, we tried just about every other combination, haven't we? Bar calling back Wan Foyf, I think Tanganga is probably <laughs> the next one, isn't it? But um, James, Deli Ali, he didn't come on to the 77th minute, but you mentioned him in our group chat yesterday. Would you like to expand on your new Ali-based insight? I think he... Personally, I think if you're in the form of Deli Ali at the moment, which is obviously very poor form, I think you've got to concentrate on getting the basics right first. Uh, and you know, when you're when you're in in the situations that he he was in, uh, you know, receiving the ball in tight areas and and trying to make things happen, all he seemed to do was was try and flick the ball around the corner and 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 try and get someone in with a back heel or a flick or a trick and. Sometimes you just you just despair because that's not what we need. You know, it, it, it came to the point where obviously you know last five or ten minutes we we were obviously only going to get one or two more big chances in the game, so we had to make those big chances count. And and when we're doing things like getting the ball working working our way all the way to the edge of the box, which is which was difficult because West Ham you know they obviously sat back and they were defending well, and then to lose the ball. In in such pathetic ways was was very very frustrating for myself and you know obviously down the years Deli Ali flicks have have given us some of the best moments of our lives re Lucas Moura in Amsterdam that was a Deli Ali flick that was towards the end of the game however I think if you're playing in the form that Deli Ali is playing in right now you, you have to bin that you have to go back to basics you have to concentrate on on every touch of the ball because you are being scrutinised on, on every single touch of the ball, especially when you're coming off the bench as a substitute. 
and you've been put in there to, to make a difference. And and I'm, you know, Jose's not going to send him on and say, look, Delhi, try and try and flick the ball around the corner or try and back heel someone through on goal, because you know that's that's just not how it works. If you're playing, I think he he needs to go back to basics. He needs to go back to trying to get in behind and trying trying to trying to make space for other players and trying to make space for himself because that was what he was so good at. And uh, if he's coming on the pitch and his main concern is, is can I do a trick, can I do a flick and can I do something spectacular, then it's only, it's, you know, he's setting himself up for failure. I think he needs to go back to go back to basics, try and get himself a little bit of confidence, try and get a run of form in the team. And then he can go back to being the spectacular, skillful player that we know he can be. Of course, Patrick, the other player that came on at half time was Gareth Bale. A more substantial amount of minutes in the league than in previous weeks after an impressive showing on Thursday. So he got an assist for his troubles, nearly a fantastic goal. So on the basis of the past few days, have those calibre of performances tipped him back into the Premier League fold with a sort of nod to a start of the weekend? Yeah, my boy Bale, he's back. He's back, boys. <laughs> he's looking good. I mean, yeah, I thought he looked um, really good on, on, um, on, on Sunday. When he came on, he made a huge difference. Uh, and the thing is that for me, he was showing for the ball. He wanted the ball. He was taking the game by the scruff of the neck. And I know we lost the game, but you could see Bale was commanding the ball. He was making things happen. He was, you know, uh, intelligent passes, uh, intelligent flicks. I know James alluded to that with Dele Ali, but when Bale did it, it was pulling off. Obviously, that volley that he almost scored was spectacular. Uh, the assist on the corner for uh, Lucas Moura. But yeah, he was just, you know, he was just trying to take the game by the scruff of the neck and he was actually positive. He was also looking to beat players, take them on. It looked like the bail of old. I know he's not as quick, but you could see that he, he's starting to feel himself again and he's looking comfortable out there. And he, yeah, he wants to do things, which is before every time he got the ball, he would literally just lay it off or pass it backwards or just try and, you know, get rid of it. But now he's, he, he's, he's looking to take players on. He's looking to create and he's looking to, you know, do something every time he gets on the ball, which is the sign of a good player or a player in confidence or, you know, that believes in himself. So I, I, I really do think that he deserves a start on Sunday. With that said, Carl, the reason he didn't start on Sunday was because he was deemed not fit enough to play in such quick rotation from the Thursday to the Sunday. So if we've got another Europa League game coming up, does that mean, you know, he's not really fit enough to then play this coming Sunday? I'd have to be honest, you know, this Europa League coming up now, I, I wouldn't be picking anyone that I didn't need to, that I wanted to play on the weekend, you know, given the score and the fact that the tie is pretty much done. Um, this is one of those games where, you know, I would be playing players with a view to the next league game. You know, Kane wouldn't be any near, anywhere near the squad. Son wouldn't be in the team. Hoiberg wouldn't be getting a game. Um, I'd be changing Larice for Hart. And you're sitting there saying, listen, these should be guys who can still get this job done and get this game won. And then I'm saving all my big guns for the game at the weekend because that is now a must-win fixture. Um and yeah, Bow would be starting for me. You know, it would be Kane, Son, and Bow that start in that front three. Um, given the way Bow played at the weekend and the way he played in the Europa League game, again, I'm going to go. You know, I'm not going to risk um, Regulon at left back. He's going to get a rest. You know, Toby's not going to play because I want him at the weekend. And these, you know, these are the decisions that should be made, whether or not they will be made. 
who knows? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Jose goes and puts a really strong side out in that Europa League game when we're all sitting there going, why are we playing such a strong side? Um, but you just don't know with Jose, do you? Because his team selections are a little bit all over the place at the moment. Well, if you think about it, with the comfort of that first leg lead, this is probably the last opportunity to really rest players wholesale. Because, you know, we get to the final third of the season, every game's going to be important. You don't want players gassing at you know April May so you kind of need to sort of think right you know how much opportunity is there left to rest players this is probably the ideal one but as you say Carl you try and second guess you'll look at the team and think well there's five players that shouldn't really be playing then it creates its own problems on the weekend so you know ask Jose and you'll probably uh, get a different answer but James in terms of Gareth Bale and Matt Doherty on the right hand side I thought they linked up quite well now Doherty has been the bit well let's be honest he's been quite underwhelming in terms of his transfer from Wolves but they seem to sort of connect quite well and bring the best out of each other so is there a scenario where if Bale is to play Doherty has to be the right back that they can only really work in tandem for example you couldn't play Doherty and Bergvine you couldn't play Bale and Aurier is that a fair statement to make? I think I think Bale and Aurier would be would be doable I, I think you know it, it relies on it, it depends on uh, which Serge Aurier turns up. Obviously, True. there's there's there, there's always going to be question marks over Serge Aurier be, just because he he has got the, that ability to turn up and and be the worst player on the pitch. But also, he can turn up and and you know he can be that player that we thought we were signing a couple of years ago. Um, it's I mean it's similar. It's quite similar to Gareth Bale. You know he he can he could turn up and like like we said this weekend he he was the best player on the pitch when he came on. But there's also been performances where he's come on and we thought, wow, this this is this is a shadow of the guy we've seen before. So I, I think it, it is doable. I think uh, Doherty and, uh, and and Bale, I think they they do work well together. I can't can't quite put my finger on why they work well together. But Matt Doherty, he just needs to he needs to up that final ball. He, the final ball is he's, he's everything he does in the final third seems to be poor. So if he can, if he can, you know, scratch up on that, and maybe, maybe there's still a player in there. You know, we seem to have written him off quite early, so maybe there's still a player in there. Um, but for me, I have to echo what the guys say. But Bale has done enough in in the last two performances to to warrant a start, because simply because the other guys that he's fighting for that position for just they they don't have that that ability to do something incredible. They don't have the ability to do anything really. Um, Lucas, obviously, Lucas Moura scored at the weekend, but that, you know, that that was his one moment in the entire game where you thought, well, oh, this guy could be a half decent footballer. Um, Bale has has to kick on from here. That's this. This is these were the two performances that that we he needed to to kick start. I think so. I think, and and hopefully, I, I hope he gets minutes against Wolfsburger again. Uh, and then can can start at the weekend. So you know that that would be my personal preference going forward. The right back situation is is a difficult one because we've got two footballers there who who can can turn up and be brilliant, or they can turn up and be absolutely awful. So I think whether whether or not it, it is it is Bale on the, on that side, it is always going to be a bit of a question mark on who plays that that position because it's going to be. You know, we're never going to know. We're not going to know until probably half time of the game, and and by that time, it's probably too late to do anything because if you bring one of them on halfway through the game, they're not going to be 
they're not going to be fresh. They're not going to be. They're going to take a while to get into the game. So I think swapping and changing them isn't going to work. I mean, look at look at the the substitution this weekend. Tanganga started there, and it took Dirty a, a long time to get involved in the game. I thought, and then when he did get involved, I think again his his final product is just is so poor that you know there has to be question marks over whether he is actually good enough. But as I say, as, as I've already alluded to, he we a lot of people have written him off. There's obviously a player in there still, uh, and and for me that that could be a good partnership going forward. It was a partnership that we all wanted to see at the start of the season, and hopefully you know there's there's still some, some potential that they that they might pull through. Okay then, Patrick. The last point about the West Ham game. Now obviously Lucas half the deficit, and we were unfortunate not to get an equaliser. But you can't really sort of just say, oh, the luck was against us. Really, the damage is done at 2-0. And again, it's another example of only turning it on when it's almost too late. Yeah, exactly. And that seems to be the, you know, it's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? It's like a never-ending story. It's the same thing every week. And uh, like James said earlier, it's like we only seem to wake up after it's too late. Like, you know, there's always levels of the game or periods of the game where we, we totally lose our concentration. And then before we know it, we're a goal down two goals down and then we're fighting. I mean, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised with our attacking output in the game against West Ham. I know we didn't obviously get a result or get the win, but we pretty much put them on. It's quite funny, isn't it? Because when you think about it, I mean, they literally camped and parked the bus for the whole game. And if we did that, we would get, you know, every, even if we won the game the way West Ham did, everyone would be saying, oh, it's boring, it's negative, it's blah, blah, blah. But when West Ham did it, everyone was just clapping and cheering for them. So it's just quite funny how the narrative changes depending on the team. But um, we just, yeah, we were unlucky. We were unlucky to a degree. We hit the post and we hit the crossbar, but we just didn't have the quality when when it counted. Uh, a few snapshots, um, you know, a few people didn't take their chances. Like James said, Matt Doherty's final ball was poor on a few occasions. Lucas Moura, other than the header, didn't really provide much. Yeah, running down blind alleys. I think in like the 94th minute, he could have easily laid the ball off once or twice when he had the ball. He had three players around him, and yet he had his head down trying to dribble through all of them, which is just so not going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, it's just... Uh, uh, yeah, it, we were unlucky to a degree, but you make your own luck, don't you? And we just seem to keep doing the same thing every game. Absolutely. Right, let's focus on the positive part of the week. And, Carl, if we are going to put all our eggs in the Europa League basket, we're going about it the right way. Yeah, it is, as I said earlier, you know... You can only beat what's in front of you on the night. Um, I think we saw, you know, again, we we kind of started making difficult work of it, didn't we, at one point? You know, you start, started getting a little bit edgy at 2-1. And then, as I say, you know, when they crash the ball against the bar, you start thinking, oh, God, if that one goes in and you get to 2-2, then panic probably really starts to set in. But the goals were always there, weren't they? You know, you're playing a team that were happy to commit kind of like defensive suicide. Um, and, and we've got the players on the pitch, you know, thankfully in an attacking sense that can take advantage if teams are going to do that. Um, but again, as I say, yeah, you can only beat what's in front of you. But, you know, it's job well done. That puts us through, you know, I saw someone say, you know, Tottenham potentially just got one foot in the next round. That's both feet. We, You know, we should be over the top of the ball, both feet into the next round. The next game should just be one that we can thankfully rotate and just see that game out and get ourselves through. And then, you know, we're into the next round and you're looking at, you know, hopefully we get another favourable draw that, you know, can push us on. 
And then, yeah, you know, you've just got to see how far you can go. I'd still say, as I said earlier, I think the problem's going to come when we draw the first half, what I call, you know, real decent side in this competition as to how we can stand up defensively um, and just make sure that, you know, we can get ourselves through over the course of two legs. That is a fear, but, you know, we won't know until that draw happens. But let's hope that that's not until at least maybe, say, the quarterfinal or semi-final stage. And, and we can get some momentum, and you never know if we've won a, if we won the League Cup final, maybe that gets everyone going and pumped, and we can go on and, and get ourselves in another final. Well, this is it, James. I guess the real acid test for us in the Europa League will be if and when we meet a Champions League dropout, because that's when it really starts to get interesting from a sort of tournament point of view. We haven't had one yet, but get through this one, round of 16, those chances get... Um, diminish further so it's looking likely that now after the next leg of this one it's business time definitely and and you know the the worry is that there are still some good very good teams in the Europa League not not least the English teams well Leicester even Arsenal you know, let's be honest like. exactly and and if, if we're meeting either of those teams United is as well have I got that wrong? United in the Champions League? No, or in the Europa no League? they're in the Europa League. Yeah, good shout. Oh, God, absolutely all over the push-up I am. <laughs> but um, I, I I think if we if we meet any of those teams on the European stage, I think we're in trouble because they're, they're teams who, who are, can, they can, they can smell blood and we're, we're a team that's bleeding at the moment. Um, I think there's, there's plenty of teams left in the Europa League competition that would fancy their chances if they drew us, which is, you know, that's not a situation we want to be and we want to be feared. Uh, and I think a lot of teams will relish the fact that we'd probably go into the into the game as favourites. However, you know we're we're not playing not playing well. It, it kind of reeks of an upset. So uh, for me, I, I think we can't we can't possibly be putting all our eggs in that basket because there's there's just so many outcomes in which that goes wrong for us, and and outcomes in which we we come out with absolutely nothing. And uh, I think. The whole point of Jose being here is is for us to win a trophy. Um, I've, I've I've said that from the start. I think he he was he was literally only brought in to get that that monkey off our back to try and get us try and get us over the line to get a trophy, and then we'll we'll see from there. And I think the likelihood was always going to be that he was he was going to get the trophy and then potentially move on. Um, I I never saw him as a as a long term appointment. So I I am. Really hoping we can get the trophy over the line, just so we can potentially get that monkey off our back and potentially move forward as a club with a with a different manager and with a different group of players. Um, but it's it's all very wishful thinking. I think there's so many things that could go wrong when you're hedging your bets on a cup competition. They say you know, it's cliche that we can that anything can happen in a, on, in a cup competition, but. Uh, I think it's it's just the wrong way to go about things. We can't be hedging the the potential, you know, next few years of this football club and the future of this football club on uh, a random draw in the Europa League because you know it's it's it, there's just so many things that could go wrong. Well, I wouldn't even want Rangers. You know, I know it's Scottish football and everyone turns their nose up at all that, but they're a team that knows how to win. Battle of Britain and all that, I think they'd find that very tasty against the weakened Tottenham who are down on their luck and all that. So, you know, I don't think you can really dismiss anyone. Like you say, James, a lot of clubs will be licking their chops if they get paired with us. But Patrick, it was a tough week previous for Hugo Lloris and he did redeem himself for a number of key saves in that Europa League tie. So, 
Was it interesting that he actually started? Because obviously, being in the line of fire, so to speak, it could have been easier to go with the actual Europa League option, Joe Hart. Yeah, I thought that. I thought Joe Hart would get this run out against Wolfsburger because, you know, I mean, um, from looking at, I think I, I did a bit of research, I heard the commentator say that we already beat Lask quite comfortably and Lask are above them in, in the uh, Austrian league. So I thought Joe Hart would get the get these last two games anyway, uh, give Hugo a bit of a break and obviously give our second keeper now a chance to play. Because if he's not going to play against Wolfsburger, when is he going to play? So, um, yeah, surprised Hugo played. He played quite well, to be fair to him. Pulled off a. The thing with Hugo Lloris is that he can always pull off a worldy save. Reactionary, he's probably one of the best keepers I've seen. But when it comes to the basics, like James said, commanding your box, you know, coming for crosses, or just telling uh, defenders where to go, or or being on the front foot, he's not that. And obviously, we all know his his passing and kicking is really poor. Like uh, no one really talks about it, but there was a com there was a comical error against West Ham when we were chasing the game, where he came out and tried to kick the ball, and I don't know what he did. He miskicked it, and luckily he didn't get to it. Otherwise, it would have been another you know another uh, clown show of a of a howler from him so he's always got that in his locker but yeah Joe Hart isn't great we all know that I was really I was upset to see Gazaniga go because I really like Gazaniga I didn't think he did anything wrong to be honest but I just think because he's um you know a foreign keeper it was easier to to uh you know get rid of him and bring in an English backup keeper in Joe Hart who's happy to just play the backup uh and just play now and again but yeah, I'm hoping Joe Hart plays on um uh, on on Wednesday, and I'm hoping a lot of the fringe players also play so we can be fresh for Burnley um on the Sunday. So Carl, unfortunately, it wasn't the perfect win as Moussa Sissoko's brain fart in the second half led to their penalty. Frustrating, but I guess asking for a perfect win right now is probably asking for a little too much. Yeah, I think you know, unfortunately for us, I think we always know we're susceptible to that mistake, aren't we? And a team at least score one, which kind of sends you into most games knowing you need to score two to stand a chance of winning a game. Um, but it's just a dreadful mistake again, isn't it? You know, one where you know you could look at some of the goals we've conceded lately. You know, Winks, Everton, Sissoko here. The first touch is absolutely dreadful, isn't it? Um, and and that's the one that causes all the problems. Um, I've seen lots of people trying to say it wasn't a penalty and everything. It, it was a clear penalty for me. You know, a stonewall penalty. If if that was at the other end and we never got it, we'd be we'd be going mental. Um, and one that you just again, it's just you just sit there and go it's just so unnecessary when you're in control of the game you don't need to make mistakes like that and give a team a bit of an incentive because right now as you say with with our fragile mentality you know it's hard enough to get the game done as it is let alone without offering teams a, a free hit against you and giving them a sniff and and letting them get their towels up so really bad um and and those are the sort of mistakes you've just got to cut out if you if you want to win things because you know again if that's a vital game and that's the one goal that suddenly gives a team an away goal in a fixture you're in big trouble james you mentioned Deli ali and his west ham performance in about 60 seconds can you sum up his europa league offering please uh mediocre um nothing to write home about um squad player Probably hasn't hasn't got enough to to start in the Premier League just yet, but I think certainly enough to to start again in the Europa League. Lovely stuff. And Patrick, one player who will be looking to start in the second leg will be Carlos Vinicius. What do you make of his lack of celebration after giving it the big ones against Marine last month? Do you think he's aware yeah. of that small backlash that came from the non-league hiding? 
Yeah, I think so because I uh, usually, I mean, that's meant to be a celebration, isn't it? And oh, allegedly, yeah. he was he was doing it before Mbappe. But I think you know, someone's showed him the social media backlash when he scored. He literally just put his hand up to the sky, didn't he? Did the sign of the cross and then kept it moving. So he he definitely humbled himself. And to be fair, scoring against Wolfsburger is a bigger you know feat than scoring against Marine. But <laughs> I do think that he's seen the backlash, so he he, he relaxed a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think I agree with that one. But let's end on the predictions. Now, last week's predictions, we were kind of all right, but we don't really want to be right when it was the West Ham getting all the points. So let's try and sort of swing that round this week. Patrick, what have you got for me against Burnley this weekend? I'm gonna go three one. I would have liked to say I would have liked to say two 0 but I know we're gonna concede. So three one. We'll win by two goals. Lovely stuff. James, what have you got, mate? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think we, we can't go into a game at the moment thinking we're not going to concede. Uh, and when that's against Burnley, I think that's a little bit embarrassing. Um, I, I think we, we are going to win the game. I think we'll, we'll have enough to put two past them, but we'll win 2-1. OK, and Cole, how about you? Yeah, 2-1 would be my um, my bet. I think we'll edge it. It won't be a pretty game um, and it could even be that they'll go in front, but I think we'll then just edge it 2-1. OK, then I'll go for a... 1-0 to us, but I don't know if I even believe that because I can see us conceding a goal. But, um, yeah, 1-0. Keep the faith. I think we'll keep a clean sheet. We'll learn a lesson, he says. Right, on that mad note, it's time to do the admin, which is as simple as thanking my three Pod Squad members tonight. So, Patrick, a pleasure as always. Thanks for your time this evening. Uh, thank you for having me. I always love being on there. Cheers, boys. Appreciate it. And uh, for everyone that doesn't know already, you can catch me on Views TV Official, VI. EWS TV official. Top man. James, a return to form this evening. Thanks as always. No problem, Dan. Thanks very much for having us. Cheers, buddy. And Cole, thanks for running the channels as always. I hope you'll be with me next Monday. Yeah, looking forward to it. And hopefully we can get an elusive win to kind of talk about and get some real positivity going again. Bloody hell, I forgot what they, they feel like. To be honest, <laughs> but fingers crossed. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always... Come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.